Welcome to Sexy Confidence with Evada Relationship Maker, where we cover subjects such as dating, relationships, life, and successes, especially with my guests. If you have any questions, don't forget to ask me at www.evadarelationshipmaker. On the right-hand side, up there is such a line, it said, ask Eva, it's going to be my pleasure to answer it. What I'm going to say. No bugging, no bugging today. <laughs> no bugging today. It's such a pleasure to meet you, Heather, Heather Joy Bassett. I... I don't. I didn't know much about you, but I found I I did I did some research. You live in Australia, and you are the creator of Spruce, and I was thinking, what a clever word! Speak your truth, and when you're talking about or people are talking about how you get to help them to open up, I just could see you. I'm very visual going into their hearts and opening them up like a petal, like a rose and letting them be who they are and, and just reveal the deeper side, what is important. And to tell you the truth, you are so needed, special now, whatever is going on in the world because it's so much hatred. And I think what you're teaching and the truth and the love has to win. So welcome. Wow, thank you. Um, I had goosebumps as you were as you were sharing your perspective of it. That's um, absolutely beautiful. That just warms my heart. You know, so yeah, truth is speaking truth with love and compassion. Because many people speak their truth, but their truth is like at someone. This is my truth. But if we bring the love and compassion and take full responsibility of, ah, oh, no, this is my truth about me is very different to, to that outward, outward projection to people. And, yeah, when, when we speak from that place, all the defences that we have just drop away because we know that we're there for each other. And it's a, it's a beautiful experience. So thank you don't, for sharing. Don't you think that... People are afraid to look inside to see who they are? Well, there are definitely people that are, but I think the biggest one is having someone that you can do it with. Because, like, I had people that I had, I had a psychiatrist, I had a psychologist, I had coaches, I had all sorts of people. And in a way, ultimately, we've got to do it ourselves that if we have the right people then it makes such a difference so I saw a psychiatrist for many many years because I was deeply depressed and it wasn't until much later that I realized there were many things that I didn't talk to him about many many things that I, I couldn't open up to and then you know curious why you know I just didn't feel safe enough um I'm not really sure why, but I didn't. And then I recognised, well, even though supposedly there are lots of people helping me and I had this space to speak, I still couldn't. And then I was like, it's a huge issue because if we can't speak about what's deeply important, what's deeply important and explore that, then, then we end up fairly depressed or lots of other health, lots of health, other health issues. So... And are we afraid? I was terrified. I was terrified that if I spoke these things, that my world would change. And I had no idea how I would, how things could possibly work. Um, and part of me, I'd given away my voice. I'd given away my dignity, power. Other people say that I was bullied. But if I take responsibility, then... You know, it's that co-creation of so many spaces. I couldn't speak my truth. And then the times that I would was when I was drinking and I would drink and then the inhibitions go away and then I would speak stuff and then I would get told, you know, you got to stop drinking because you're ugly when you drink. 
because and I would say I'm really unhappy and people would say no you're not it's the alcohol and I'm like no this is my truth this is my truth I'm really unhappy and no everyone would say no you're not and I'd say I'm really unhappy and they'd go no you're not (laughs) you know how they say in kids and drunk people telling the truth always yeah but people don't want to take it anyway I believe that it takes a special person like you to be able to open up someone because we are very guarded, most of us. So yeah. it, it, it's a skill, it's a gift, what you have to be able to connect with people, to let them be who they are. Yeah. Um, I constantly have, again, I've got goosebumps going through me. I constantly have conversations with people. I call them transformational conversations because people say, I've never spoken anyone about this I've never been able to speak to anyone one of my someone 72 recently is like I've never been able to have a conversation like this and with a woman he said maybe maybe a guy but no not and I continually sometimes it's absolutely beautiful and it's also really sad you know he's 72 and he's never had that never been able to have that conversation so to be able to have those conversations with people where all the defences just go down because there's no judgment going on here um, and all the defences go down and then it's like, ah, there's the real you, there's the core of you, there's the part of you that's hurting. And and one of the things with Spruth, when we speak our truth with love and compassion, is as it unfolds, then what I thought was my truth isn't even my truth. And so I'll get halfway through a sentence and I'm like, yeah, it's not even true anymore. So when we bring the love and when it's in our head looping around, it's like that it's on repetitive, repetitive. It's like that record gone round and round. But when you speak it into the ether with love and compassion for yourself and for those that you're with, then it breaks the cycle. It's like that's been gone round in my head for eons. It's not even true anymore. You So it's almost like you can taste it, feel it. It's like, ugh. Like, what am I even saying here? So, yeah. And again, I'm just, I love playing with profiles and profiles will say, I'm just designed that way. It's not like, oh, I went out and learned things. I have honed, I guess, a skill because I've worked one-on-one with clients for years. And I had some of my clients I had for 35 years and eight months. So building really deep relationships that just happens in a moment for the person who is open or wants to be open um, and who is generally a little bit um, a little bit humble as well, then, yeah, just all disappears. Do you, think, do you think that people don't open up or are afraid to tell the truth? We, are, we live in a cynical world, but it's because they are afraid they are not going to be accepted. And I think we got to a point that we all want to be accepted, want to have the truth, and people say how great we are. We are afraid to find out that we might not be so good. We might not be so great. Maybe we have to work on ourselves. Do you think there is a reason there? Um, well, one, I, I don't live in a cynical world. <laughs> so I need to put that out there. Yes, there are people who live in a cynical world. I'm living in that same world and I see people having that cynical view and it might pop up for me occasionally, but more and more I'm in, I'm, I'm in that world where the, everyone around me is awakening, opening, actualizing whichever word that you want to take. Mm-hmm. But it takes courage and it takes bravery and, it, and you have to give yourself permission permission to do that and that is that is the courage when we give ourselves permission that's when we step into our courage and the thing is there's a lot of uncertainty there and we want certainty most people want certainty and there's got to be that struggle phase where we don't there isn't going to be certainty because as we unpack or unfold or peel away those layers Life is going to change and so our friendships will change, our relationships will change. And for a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's better the devil that I know. 
there's a saying in Australia, I don't know whether it's that, but, you know, it's better the devil than I know than the devil I don't know. Yes. So it's like, you know, that security of like, oh, uh, you know. Uh, That's universal, actually. Oh, cat. Um, yeah. Well, that's good to know. It's like, what if I can have this or something better and even a cherry on top? I mean, we're taught we have to have that or that. Most people I know are taught you have to have one or the other. And I'm like, what if you can have it both? And that was for me. What if I can have it all? And, again, we're taught, a lot of people I know are taught that that's selfish, but, you know, how can I have what I need? how can the other people have what I need so it's a yes and rather than a yes but mm-hmm. or a no so yeah for, for the listeners out there you know working with someone and you've got to step into your courage and if- then there'll be a there'll be a moment there'll be a word where someone it's like you know enough is enough and it's like enough is enough a line in the sand it's like ain't going back <laughs> do you think if because I deal with people too, especially uh, I deal with couples, I deal with individuals. And I find that when you don't respect yourself, you don't have that kind of love, that kind of, you know, the, I'm talking about healthy love, not looking at the mirror, oh, I love you, I love you to myself, but the healthy kind of love, yeah. then we cannot do anything but speak the truth. No? Well, yeah, I'll go back. I'll go back a step. Yeah, but there is a truth, and there's always a deeper truth. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a truth, and then there's a deeper. What's what's beneath the hurt? What's beneath the, what's beneath the pain? But that thing to be able to look in front of the mirror, and not from that superficial of like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gorgeous for other people, but to be able to have that experience to look in the mirror. And I don't know whether you've ever done it, but it's one of the things like to sit there and just spend time with yourself and love yourself in front of a mirror is an extraordinary experience because most people can't do it. There's this, There can be the superficiality of like, I look good or because I'm impressing someone, but to spend the time to, to be able to look in the mirror and accept and respect and love and honour the perfection and the imperfection before you. Here's a thing to is is to say, one of the things is um, is in like it's the the language that we use, the words is so important for me. So it's I've not been able to look in the mirror yet. Like if you create that opening at the end, until now, mm-hmm. I have not been able to look in the in the mirror. But otherwise, it's that it can never do because you're telling the universe this will never happen, this will never happen, this will never happen. But it's like up until now, mm-hmm. I haven't explored that. Up until now, um, so even just how we change that language, but whatever we put out to the universe, it just gives it back to us. Mm-hmm. So if we're not respecting ourselves, why would anyone else respect us? At the same time, I think, again, if we strip away the layers that we do outlove ourselves, but at the same time, you know, having unconditional love from someone other than ourselves is extraordinary. And I've had the privilege and the honour of having, uh, you know, of having people love me unconditionally. But at the same time, yeah, a lot of love is conditional. And as we let that go, you know, I love you warts and all. <laughs> I love you in the, in the, um, but even as I say that, when we love, yeah, to love ourselves is a really, is a really powerful thing. And our nemesis is obviously, you know, we have a shadow side that's like a piece of shit, you're no good. Who do you think you are? I mean, we all have that um, in human design, it's called not self themes. So it's like, okay, that's just part of, that's part of us. What I'm referring to, I can look in the mirror, but I cannot say I love you because I think that I'm more than just that face in the mirror. Inside, I know who I am. I, I have respect for myself, but look in the mirror, it's like 
I'm looking and it's like, okay, this is the face, just the face at this moment. The face changes, but who I am, it doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I get that. And for me, connection is one of my highest strengths. So um, to be able to, you know, there's the part of us, some people call it mind, body, spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this is still part of me. And yes, it's changing. And yes, it's, you know, it's aging. And yes, there's, you know, at 62, there's more lines. There's, it's, it's constantly evolving from day one. And it's great that you don't need you don't need to be able to do that. But for some people, it's a really interesting exercise because for you, it's like, yeah, don't need to do that because <laughs> I'm not that. But for me, it's like I am all of that. I am the face that you see on the outside. I am the body that I am on the inside and outside. And I am the spirit. I am my mind, which drives me nuts at times. I am all of that. So to be able to, and again, what works for you, is fabulous and having the diversity of, okay, well, that really works for me. Oh, yeah, it works for me. No, that one doesn't work for me. And cr- finding out, you know, where your edge where your edge is. And for some people, the edge will start with just simply looking in the mirror and seeing what's there. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, yeah, my hair's done, but actually looking. You know, it's like whatever your edge is. And for you, looking in the mirror is no edge. It's like, yeah, there's no edge there for you too. <laughs> Yeah, it's there. It's there. I know. And yeah. you have been also a champion, lacrosse. I you have some I medals. Am. Yeah, you still practicing? Still? No, no, I don't. I don't. No, I've had. Um, I've had two knee replacements. Um, many, I think, ten oper- knee operations. So mm-hmm. I was a country kid. Got introduced to lacrosse. Um, loved it, passionate about it. And yeah, in 1986, we were the first women's team from Australia to, well, the first, any team, the first women's team to win a, a World Series. So that was pretty special. It is pretty Thank special. So. That's great. <laughs> and how, I, I know I just told you that I bought your book, uh, a cosmically juicy life, and I can't wait to yeah. start going into it. What was the reason behind writing that book? What was it? It was a personal kind of to, uh, yeah. to express something personal, or yeah. well, people had told me for centuries, you need to write a book. You're in need to write a book. You're a natural storyteller. You need to write a book. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I came into the field of some book writers. And then I'm what's called splenic. I decide things in the moment. Some people plan things, someone speak things out, someone have a gut, just, yeah, I'm doing this or no. And I just have an instant, my design is I instantly, and I'm like, I'm writing a book. And so I sat to write the book. I went away Mm -hmm. and go to this island where all the needs are met. And my thing was drawing a line in the sand. It's like I was 58 and it's like lying in the sand. Um, I'm moving forward, letting go of letting go of things. And it was like it's I'm reinventing myself. And the journey of writing was it was glorious. Like I was just like, there, but there, but there, but there, but there. and it's my life. It was my life story at the time in the version of what was my truth at the time. And then on the third day, I was writing about my um about people I'd lost through suicide and my my own struggle with suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation. And then that night, um, one of the one of the authors came in and said, "My mum's just committed suicide." So we're on an island. We can't get off the island. So we held space for this young man, whose mum had just suicided, and. To watch someone's grief, the waves of energy rock through him again, it was an honour. It was a really difficult time. And then I tried to write, but I was coming from a place of force. So I'd written 30,000 words in, you know, in a couple of days. And then, and then my computer wouldn't write. My pens broke. The internet went down. And it was like, okay, I'm, 
after a couple of months of pushing, you know, that masculine, come on, the coach would be, come on, bring on the world champion, let's get this book written. And I was like, that just wouldn't happen. And then it was, um, it was August a year later, uh, the next year, and it was like, I need to write that book, I need to finish that book now. And I sat there, I was quite ill, my tummy was playing up and I sat there for four days on my bed. Fortunately, my parents were living with me. They bought me in food and drinks. I was like, you okay? It's like, yep. And it was like, it was like my story had to get out of me. Mm-hmm. It was just, I had to, I had to put it out there to the universe. I had to spruce it. The funny thing is, as you read it, like it's, it's not perfect. I didn't have someone else edit it. There's mistakes in there. And again, for me, it was a permission stage to go, I'm not perfect. My grammar's not brilliant. <laughs> My vocab's what it is. This is me. So a lot of people who, who've read it say it's literally like having a conversation. She's like, one of them's like, it's like having a conversation with you every night. I have a conversation with you before you go to bed. But for me, it was a really big permission stage to go, I'm not perfect, I'm raw, I'm real, I'm honest, I'm speaking my truth with love and compassion. This is me. And it was a really, really powerful experience for me. And then I didn't um, I didn't promote the book, push the book or anything. It was like, okay, this is my experience. It needs to be shared and it will it will find its way to whoever needs to. Now we'll have my next books. I've co-authored other books. Have they been edited better and formatted better? Absolutely. <laughs> but that drawing the line in the sand, this was me up until the age of 59. The problem is most people wait till things are perfect and they're they are always perfect and they're never perfect so there it goes you know it's like you you just make a choice and I like when people don't have that perfect thing because it takes away who they are their, their personality when it's too perfect and I know them or I heard about them or I I saw them I know it's not them so I like when it's not that perfect because then I get a feel for the person. So it's yeah. great. Can't wait to start reading it. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear. Um, I would love to yeah, hear, hear your thoughts. And again, um, it's, it's at a very low investment point because maybe it will inspire someone who needs to be inspired um, to... It's best-selling. Best, it, you're a best-selling yeah. author, so it means you did something, right? I've I've I'm I've been a bestseller in a in another book that as well I've been a bestseller in several books but this was my own um, this was my own one but yeah it's there for the people that who find it and then you know maybe inspired to take to take the next step in their to take the next step in their life. Do you think people come in our lives when we have a need? They come and go and. Sometimes we have people who come in, like I can think about you coming into my life because I'm always curious and I, I really, I'm um, taken by this subject. And I like some of the things like in, in just a little bit what I saw in the book. I like the permission, can I, dare I, is it possible? And all these questions that people Forget to put it. Can I do it? Of course you can. Okay. Do I dare it? So how you teach people to get out of that place where they are so they can, they dare, they uh, uh, they don't ask what if, but what if I can succeed? Like I was talking to someone today and he never talks about what would I do if I would fail? But he says, what if I would succeed? What would I what would I do? So it's always on the positive term as you say it. So how you how you get the people to to ask those questions? Yeah, oh that's a great that's a great um, thing. I want to go back for a minute. You okay. know we're saying things aren't things aren't perfect because um, I like to complete things, <laughs> otherwise it stays with me. Um, and you know, 
even though they you know my book is not is not perfect when I was a podiatry when I was doing podiatry and doing surgery or looking after people's feet I mean that had to be perfect that the standard of excellence that I required in that is totally it's totally different so so knowing that there there are there are times and places for that that standard of excellence that perfection that is you know near enough is not good enough and then where is that permission space where in other aspects of my life you know we're not perfect so I just needed to add that um and then I think there's there's always there's always those moments those moments where someone comes into your life most people after we talked about spruce it's very hard for them not to speak their truth just because it's like you get this transmission it's like oh and you know you'll muck it up the first time and you know you might project onto someone you rather than oh I um you know having that that experience but for me I went to this speaking course and there was someone there and I sat there and I listened to him in awe I was just like oh my goodness I don't know what he has but I want that I need that I need that in my life like what even is that and that was a massive turning point in my life because I, I I went from being that just that total science person. I wasn't total science person at the time, the time I thought I was, but like very much evidence-based science stuff to then expanding to embodiment um, and spirituality, not religion, spirituality, but like deep being deeply embodied. And it was funny because we talked about, we talked about it, um, there I would turn up to speak and there was this one day where they said have you got your props and I was like props do I need to bring props all the other people had written their thing out rehearsed it and I was like oh hang on and I went to my car and I'm like I think I got a a foot because I'm a podiatrist back then um my lacrosse stick and I just improvised that was that was my presentation so it was interesting because I wanted what Mario had and Mario's like, I want what you have. I want to be able to just get up there and improvise. That so was really interesting to look at, you know, that uh, we we sense something in someone else or we see something else in something else. And it's like, oh, I'm perhaps I'm missing that or I've not experienced that. And I think it's a Japanese saying the teacher will appear when the student is ready um or something that that's how it plays out in my mind and you know when we are ready they will appear but there'll be someone that we have who's listening today and what we've done is we just plant the seed there's a seed that will just germinate and play and it'll be but it's changed something just because there's something there or there'll be someone further along their journey who are like I'm ready and someone further in who's just like, oh, I would need to go deeper in this. So I think that with with everyone, we're just, for me, my book, because my book's like the journey home and home just be, becomes a deeper and deeper journey. And often we expect everyone to be, you know, on the at the same spot. You know, you, you, you should be doing this now or you should be doing that. But we're all on a on that journey of awakening or coming home or actualizing whatever word works for you and some are very early on their journey and it's like well you can't expect them to necessarily be you know where someone is who's done 30 years worth of self-exploration so again if we if we are loving and compassionate and go okay you know I think you're on the start of the journey and then as you explore and um, and open, then you, you know, people have actually done more work often than they even think that they've done. So, yeah. you said that you're doing the speak your truth in the boardroom and in the bedroom, and I want to know because I'm dealing with uh, couples sometimes. Yes. What is the truth in the bedroom? Well, and it's important because when you're saying spruce is speak the truth, mm-hmm. it's important that it's with love and compassion. Because that changes the dynamics. So an example, um, again, a lot of businesses fall over 
a lot of organizations fall over because you've got a bunch of people around the boardroom and you know they'll be talking behind people's backs or they're talking under the table or they you know they leave and then they go and talk to someone else about what's going on but they never bring it to the table and in um, a couple of years ago, I deeply explored sexuality as a woman, which was really interesting at 58, 59, exploring sexuality. It's like, who does that? Me. Um, so, <laughs> so I was in groups with lots of younger women and then I've done awakening men. So I've done all sorts of um, wonderful things. And then one of my friends was, she's talking about her, her lover. And I said, so she's like, oh, it's wonderful. You know, he's, he's passionate, he's virile, he's all of this. And I said, that's great. So, you know, so it's really good. And she's like, yeah, yeah. So I said, so can you ask him for what you need? Can you ask him to move a millimetre? Can you ask him to, to do what it is that you need, that you like? And she was like, what? <laughs> and it was like... Ah, so again, doing the sexuality work with women and I've done sexuality work with men, we often can't, you know, it's for many of us, it's like, you know, I couldn't, even when I was a world champion, like I would get, have my shower and then I'd be down in the furthest cubicle trying to get dressed in my, inside the cubicle and keep my clothes from getting wet and whereas other people, other girls would just walk around naked um, and I would be like, how do you do that? Like, I, I, can't, I can't do that. So, you know, I struggled with that being able to look in the mirror naked on my own, let alone with, with someone else. And there are many people who, who would say they're very sexually libera liberated and having, you know, having, in theory, lots of great sex but they're never actually saying, hey, I don't like that. Hey, that doesn't turn me on. Hey, I need you to go slow. Oh, I need you to speed up. Um, just hang on there. I'm not ready. And like, this is my body. You're not coming in. Um, there are so many things that are unsaid around sexuality has been my own lived experience, but then having been in circles with, um, with thousands of women, and then in the men, it's the same. And often women think, well, you know, just the men, whatever. But then when you, when you go to that place of speaking truth with love and compassion, and then you really understand man, um, then to open a man's heart is, you know, to open a, a woman sexually, you've got to go through the heart first. But to open a man, it's the other way around. But to open a man's heart, you have to be so gentle and tender. And often for women, like we're demanding men open your heart. And like you think of a little boy who's just so open and then over life just gets shut down. And then, you know, we demand like, open your heart, love me, you know. It's like, And it's like we're a spear at them going, come on, what's wrong with you? So, so yeah, from the boardroom to the bedroom. I, I deal with the intimacy coach and one of the things she's talking to me and she's very open. I mean, she's doing workshops that open, which I'm yeah. like, okay, I, I just step away from that. But it's very interesting how she says the same thing that people are afraid to ask what they want, especially women. And we were talking about porn how I don't know how is the sex education in your country in Australia, but I know that here people, uh, kids like 12 years old, they are addicted to porn. What they see, it's not what it is. It's not a way to connect with the other person. Men think they just go and that's it. And women think that they are the, the victims. So how would you educate young people to uh, to have respect for themselves and to ask for what they want. Mm. I think that that's a powerful that's a powerful thing, and it's it's really sad how screwed up um, our sexuality is. And so I'm I'm great because I said I'm in science, sexuality, and spirituality 
they are like mind, body, soul for me. And and there was a while that I was addicted to porn. And then as and I came here to experience the good, the bad, and ugly of many, many things. And one of the things is like to teach our younger folks, and it was part of what I did more so with my daughter, that your body is sacred. Mm-hmm. Your body is sacred and no one is coming in unless you give them permission. And so often, and I remember as a young woman, you know, I I thought sex was love. I didn't understand that, oh, they are poles poles apart because no one had ever discussed it. But one of the biggest things is, you know, this vessel, this body that we've been given in this lifetime is is ours and it's sacred and just that alone is a really powerful thing and then um you know I know with I mean I just think funny story maybe (laughs) I I was really I was really depressed so I've lived the absolute highs of success and the lows of suicidal depression and so I experience it all and the fact that I can have so much joy because I can have so much, so much, you know, I have the full, I am the full gamut of all of that. Mm-hmm. I was put on some medication and I'd had no libido for ages because when you're depressed, you don't. And there, it's a, if there's people listening, you just don't have libido and it doesn't matter how much you want to have it, it just doesn't work. And then if you're in a partnership with someone, you have no libido that makes life really really tough but I was put on these pills that ramped my libido through the roof (laughs) so I was hot and horny 24 7 and I remember thinking god this must be what a 13 to 15 year old boy is feeling and I was just like just constantly I was just like man and finally I went to the doctor and I was like it's great but I cannot no I cannot be in this state of arousal 24 7 and then if we if we go back a step one of the biggest things that women that both men and women can't um can't ask for what they need is because they don't damn well know because they never explore themselves. And it's not just like having an orgasm, because having an orgasm isn't exploring yourself. Being in an aroused state long-term is different. But if you haven't haven't worked out what sort of touch you like, um, what you like to feel, where you like to be touched, how the heck can your partner know? And then we're like, why doesn't he do this? Or why doesn't she do this? Or why doesn't she do that? Well, what do I want? And it's like, what do you want? It's like, what do you need? And it's like, I don't know. Um, so it's, again, it's crazy that we don't have this open exploration of what is it that Eva wants and needs? And then what is it that Fred wants and needs or Betty wants and needs? And then it's like, ah. And from a place of just curiosity, ah, you like that? Oh, I don't like that. Oh, you want that? No, I don't want that. Oh, you want that? Oh, and we don't have those. Most people, most people I know, but that even that's not true because I, I know I work with a lot of people who one of their things is here to um, open people up to their sexuality from it, but again, from a sacred place. Well, as you said, you have to know yourself what and have that kind of respect. And I believe that I was I was talking with someone. I did a podcast, and we were talking about what a man, what is a man, and about testosterone. And I believe he was saying the same thing as I'm saying that um, somehow being a man, it's lost. It's it's expected to be that strong person, and not the how to say it I don't even know how to describe it but as you said what you like how can I help you how can I satisfy you because everything everybody is mostly individualistic so I want this what you want everyone is mostly what individualistic it's like I want this this is what it pleases me what pleases you take care of you take care of it 
So uh, it has to be somehow a way to teach young men and young women how to relate to their bodies and to each other. Yeah, one of, one of the biggest things is recognizing that I am responsible for my needs. Yes. I am responsible for my needs. And we often um, will put that outside that, you know, that, that someone else is there to satisfy me. And it's like, nah. And if we're not filled up enough, then we're expecting that. And, you know, I, I've done that. Expect them to, you know, fill me up, them to complete me or whatever because that's yeah. some illusion that I had growing up. I don't, you know, I don't know, TV, movies, I, I have no idea where it comes from. It doesn't really matter. But that exploration of, like, I am responsible, I am responsible for all of that. And then so then there is, there is me or the other partner, there's two people, and then there is the relationship. So it's like, what does this person need? What does this person need? And then what does the relationship? So then if we're looking at it as the third entity, it can take away a lot of the emotions around it. But then, you know, with, with kids, it's like you're responsible for your needs. You are responsible for your needs. Your body is sacred. Your body is sacred. That doesn't mean that you necessarily just go from that to that, but we're not taught that. We're not, we're not taught that you are there to satisfy yourself. Yeah. And then you can, then you can come from a place of fullness to engage with someone else. But if we come from that place of lack, then again, it's like the you rather than spruce, like I, um, yeah, a totally different, um, a totally different. My motto is love yourself first and love your partner. If you love yourself, you can give love, you can receive love, but if not, you cannot. It's, it doesn't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's necessarily true for everyone, but it's definitely healthier if you can, um, if you can, if you love your, if you love yourself, but I don't think it's a hard and fast rule that if I don't love myself, that I can't love someone else. And I, I remember we had this debate before. I also know that it's incredibly healthy to love yourself. If you don't love yourself, how how to say how and you don't have enough love? How can you give to the other person because your expectations are way too high to to complete you in a way that. You depend on their love for for you to feel good. You know what I mean. I I I definitely I definitely get that. But as as a woman who didn't love herself, but is deeply deeply connected at some level to a mother energy, being able to give and being able to give and being able to give, and then if I'm unable to give, then I'm coming from a lack space. So yeah, that 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 need that the importance of looking after self. Uh, I don't I don't have quite the same perspective of that that we can't love others, even when we're not loving ourselves. That is not my experience. Is it healthier and more sustainable long term? And would I want to do that? Absolutely, absolutely. But so there's a slight, you know, a slight. One more question. In the nuances. One more question. One more question on that because I love that we can have this discussion. I love it. That if I if the I love the other person, I'm the motherly love. I just give, give, give. Yep. Doesn't leave me that empty at one point. Um. It can, but I deeply, I deeply explored. If I think of um mother earth like mother earth is just is abundance and yes the rivers will dry up sometimes and there'll be deserts and there'll be you know but but it's the cyclic nature of mother earth to be to be giving and you know one of the ways there are people who are the mountain and it's often it's often the masculine is the mountain like it's an immovable object Mm-hmm. it's it's there it's solid it's grounded it's not going anywhere and then we have the rivers 
that are dirty, that are flowing, that are still on the top and the turmoil underneath. And that's often where a, that's often where women are. Um, you know, it's all fine on the top, and then underneath there's you know this raging, raging, raging torrent. So, um, but yeah, I was I was doing um, some deep sacred worth worth. And I was like, no, mother, the mother energy is simply abundant. And that's where, well, you know, we're creating a different story of like we're coming from lack. Uh, what if there is only abundance? So, so it's, a, it's a great subject to, to play with. Can you, uh, again, to feel one of the things, especially I think for women and as a mother, um, uh, and when I've worked with people, like if you can't do it for you, then at start you do it for your kids because that was one of my things. It was like my kid, I'm breaking this generational pattern about body stuff. It ain't going on any longer. So I have two kids that are very open with their bodies, not with other, you know, like it's still a sacred body, but um, you know, they can wander around naked and stuff like that, that, you know, we would, I know this is a worldwide thing, you know, oh, you're really nudie, put your clothes yeah, on. The shame, yeah. It's like, that, that, sha- that shame, well, yeah, my kids don't have that shame. Yeah. And it was like, you know, I still, I still try to wash some of it off. But, um, um, <laughs> but again, it's like, well, and that was a decision made, you know, I'm going to do things, I'm going to do things that I know will change, it will change the, the history and the history mm-hmm. of our of our lineage because it's like no stop no I'm not doing that anymore so I know it's like what is that point and for for many women and even for men it's like you know that we we get stuck in patterns and I say we you know I get stuck in patterns I know other people get stuck in patterns and then it's like how do we disrupt them and if we're in it really deep we can't disrupt it sometimes for ourselves but then you go okay is that what you want your kid doing and it's like no and it's like well stop you know it's like the and an example of that I was um I was a really sick kid I spent most of my first two years in hospital and my early years were quite a struggle because I was allergic to everything I had really bad asthma I'd be bedridden for days miss lots of school stuff like that and the doctor came out to the farm where I was allergic to everything. And my dad was smoking 100 cigarettes a day, wow. 80, 80 packet and 20 rollies. He was truck driving. So he would just be like doing the next one and doing the next one and doing the next one. And the doctor rocked up and said, well, you've got two choices. Well, three. Either you leave home, your daughter leaves home, or you give up smoking. My dad went cold turkey that day and has never had another cigarette. So when people say you can't give up stuff, he went from 100 to zero in that moment because of his unconditional love for me. So it's finding that thing that matters. And at that stage, what mattered more to him than his lungs, his health, was mine. So when we're coaching people, when we're working with people, then it often does no good to say, hey, you got to give up smoking because you'll be dead. My dad's 88, mind you, now. His lungs are better than mine. But it's like, okay, well, I can't give it up for me. I don't want my kid doing this or I don't want my, you know, someone else. And, and that's okay because often we need to do things for other people. It's a stepping stone before we can own that, you know what? Well, you have to have something to... Uh to make you want to. It's like something deeper than than yourself. So be right about that. Are you going to write another book? Absolutely. Good. What's going to be about? You have an Uh, idea or not yet? Well, no, I will write one. um, I will write Spruce one one day. And I've co-authored, I think, five other books, um, Leadership on on health, on a whole lot of subjects. So it's like last time when I wrote the book, it was just like the moment will come where it's like everything get out of my way because I'm writing a book. I'm not someone who plans particularly. So there are people who write lists and plan and tick them off. I've never done that. I never will do that. Um, So human design is a great thing to explore. 
in that I'm part of the eight percent that's never going to do that. So, <laughs> but there will be there will be more there will be more books, and they will happen in in the moment. I cannot tell you how happy I am that I had a chance to talk to you, and what a pleasure it was. And I would like to continue a little bit more on uh, on certain uh, certain ideas. Maybe we can have another talk. We'd love so, to. Thank you so much and thank have you. a great day. It's 10, 11 o'clock your time, right? Yeah, it is. And for, for anyone who's listening, it's, it, I've, I've loved it as well. You can tell, like, I'm really joyful, so yeah. I'm loving it. And if anyone wants to reach out, Facebook is the best way, even if we're not connected on Facebook, because I've got, you know, that list of people who want to connect. Just send me a message because it goes to the spammy folder, but I always look to see if someone's connecting from somewhere around around the world. So feel free to uh, feel free to connect, and I would love to have another conversation. It's funny. Uh, I'm traveling around the world. I'm from Europe, but I live in Canada. You are in Australia. I think technology is amazing in one way. <laughs> it is. I like. I'm in the middle of the country where. My cell phone doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I have no cell connection, but here I am talking to you in Canada. I'm like, that just blows my mind. I figured because I see the background, I see the background that you are somewhere else, not home. Uh, no, this is my home. I bought a camper van. Oh. I sold my home and I bought, I had a home that with, um, three generations lived there and then my grandchildren will come over so we had four generations and I sold that last year and I bought a camper van so my home is on wheels right now. I have been looking into tiny houses and the same thing to, re to do something that it's mine and I can take it somewhere else so no. I love it I, I totally love it good for you okay yeah, thank you thank so you. much again and bye. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, there is no happiness without love. Love yourself first. Love your partner. Until next time. Goodbye.